0: Uh, the cold, wet day just had me thinking of a, an old story I heard of a, a guy who was out ice fishing. And um, he just would put the thing down into the hole. You know, they have, to, they have to chisel or drill out that hole. And he just kept yanking out fish. And another man came along and he thought he'd give his, his try. So he, he drilled a hole down there. He couldn't get a thing. And here the guy over next to him just keeps pulling out fish and pulling out fish. So the guy who can't catch anything walks to the other man and says, what is it? How do you keep catching fish? And the man says, "Mmm." And the man says, "What? Well, I don't understand you." He said, "Mmm." The guy says, "I'm sorry. I just, I can't understand a thing you're saying." The guy goes, Phew. "You got to keep the worms warm." <laughs> now, I'm not a good fisherman. But it's important that you have worms. It's important that you have bait. It's important that you use those things to draw that which you are after. To bring them towards you. And today we're actually going to learn about how God was baiting the hook for his enemies. He was actually drawing them. Uh, but it becomes this really intense situation. And today we're we're going to look at what is one of the most widely known stories that not only Christians know, but the non-Christians know, and that is the crossing of the Red Sea. The crossing of the Red Sea. So up to this point, God is delivering his people. Pharaoh said after that 10th plague, the plague of the firstborn, go ahead, get your people, get out of here. So Israel has packed up their things quickly. They've tucked in their robes and they got their shoes on. They're running out of town and uh, God's bringing them out into the wilderness. Well, uh, the story goes like this in, in chapter 14. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back. And encamp in, in front of Pihiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They're wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So here's Israel, this small little vulnerable country, this nation that's escaping and they're out there. And God says to him, hey, Moses, stop the direction that goes to the free land and go and camp right next to the sea where you're trapped. I don't know about you, but if I was in a car chase, the last place I would want to turn into is a cul-de-sac. Right? And that's exactly what God asked him to pull in here, camp right next to the sea, because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make the most powerful army on the face of the planet with all their chariots and all their weapons. I'm going to bring them after you because I'm going to display that I am the Lord. He's been saying this throughout all of Exodus. I'm gonna do all these things so that Pharaoh and all the world will know and that you will know, I am the Lord, there is no other. So go and take all of your families. Take your kids, take everything that you own, that you just left with and go sit next to the sea where you're sitting ducks. You're the worm on the end of the hook. You're the bait. And that's a hard word. Have you ever been in a situation where it says, God, why would you bring me to this dead end? You ever have those days where it seems like, how am I going to survive this? Why, God, would you put me in this situation where I don't know if I'm going to make it? I don't feel like I could even live. Some of you have felt like that this year. It's represented by a candle right over here. Why would God put you into that situation? And God does that to demonstrate who he is, that he is the Lord. And so here he puts them in the situation there. He has the, the hook baited. It says in verse five, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took six hundred chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camped at the sea by Piharoth in front of Bel-Zephon. So Pharaoh, his heart is hardened. Why has God hardened his heart? We've spoken of that previously. He's just letting him continue to be stubborn. He never was with the Lord, didn't want to listen to him. So God just continues him there because he's going to show that he is the Lord. Well, as you can imagine, the Israelites are like, what? What? We're out here. Our kids are here. What? Why has this happened?" So in verse 10, we see when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. So I love that when all the rest of the nation, they're like, what? Why have you left us out here? Why would the Lord have to do this? Moses is the only one who stands up and says this. Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Why could Moses say that was because God told him what he was going to do? I am going to have victory over them. I'm going to be the one who will show that I'm the Lord. And so in verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. So as Moses gives this word, fear not, and the people of Israel would have seen, wait a second, there's this great huge army here, but there's a sea here. How are we not supposed to fear? You have a superpower army who's headed our way. And yeah, we took weapons with us, it told us earlier, but they don't know how to use them. And what are they going to do fighting against chariots and the best warriors in the world? Moses says, God's going to fight for you. You just have to watch. Just be silent and watch. And in that moment, it says the cloud goes and goes behind them and puts up a wall between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And then this is the greatest. This is just where it comes down to to, uh, God being God and showing that to these people. As we continue on in verse 21, it says, then Moses And in the morning, watched the Lord in the pillar of the fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Incredible. Amen. Moses says you don't have to worry and Then he stands with a stick over the sea and the sea whoosh, parted. It says the people of Israel walked on dry ground and they get through the other side. He lifted up his stick again. the, The water goes and destroys Pharaoh's army, all of them dead to be found only on the seashore. God had delivered them when it looked like there was no hope. He does that. In fact, he has done it for each and every one of you sitting in this room, because the scripture clearly says that as we are born into this world, we're born in sin, our only hope. Is Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would then die. We all are sitting against that cul-de-sac. We're all up against the sea with no hope, except for that God says, I will fight for you. I will be your salvation. I will be the one who can save you from your sins. And the scripture says that he then took a stick and he held it up and he made the one way possible for us to defeat Death victorious and to go through and get to the other side. And that happened when he sent his one and only son, Jesus, and made him the bait. Because the scripture says that Satan even thought he had it won, that he went and got this guy named Judas. And for 30 pieces of silver, Judas sold out Jesus. And it looked terrible because the God of the universe, the holy lamb of God, was lifted up on a stick The Romans mocked him. The Jews yelled, crucify him. Everyone wanted him gone. Satan thought he had it won. Because Jesus was at the end of the cul-de-sac. Jesus was the bait on the end of the hook. And yet we're told in the scriptures that it's as a result of him being lifted up on that stick, on the cross, that he was dying in our place. He was taking upon himself my sin, your sin. And if we would only believe in the work that he's done on the cross, that God would take my sin from me and put it on Jesus, that he would die and be crushed on my behalf. And then God would take Jesus' righteousness, his light and his life and give it to me in exchange. Incredible. There's Jesus debate. God made a way for you and I to go through that sea of death and to make it to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so as we have experienced that salvation, we get to the other side and we say, look how God has delivered me. And what do we do? We gather, we gather in the church and we get together with one another. We say, look how the Lord has given me salvation. Look what he's done. And what do we do? We open hymns, right? And we sing a song. Guess what the Israelites did when they got to the other side? God had just won a revolutionary war for them. And they sang. You know, when our country is formed and. They talk about the battles that went on to win our freedom. We came up with something called a national anthem. And in the middle of that song, we talk about the rockets red flare, the bombs bursting in air. And we sing this anthem because of the fight that went on to gain freedom in this land. Do You know that when the Israelites got to the other side of that sea, they had saw the revolutionary war of Israel go on. And it said that they broke out in a song. This was their national anthem at the beginning of 15. I just want to read this for you. It says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host, he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And they go on and they go on and they sing this song, an anthem of God saving them. God's desire in that was to show that he was the Lord, not so that he could deliver Israel to a promised land, but to be illustrative that through Jesus Christ, he would deliver us to the ultimate promised land, a forever kingdom with him. And so earlier in the service, and I want to read it again, because as John, Jesus' disciple, looks forward. And they all stand on the other side of a crystal sea. And they look back and they recognize what Jesus did to get them into life. You know, what it says they do. They sing an anthem. They sing an anthem, and in fact, look at what the anthem is called. This comes again from Revelation chapter 15, verse three. This is on the other side of the crystal sea, it says, and they sing the song of Moses. The servant of God and the song of the lamb saying, and here's their song, it says, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the almighty, just and true are your ways, O king of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. Friends, at the end of time, there is going to be a great anthem sung by a multitude on the other side of the sea through which God got us through by the blood of Jesus Christ, having him raised on a stick like bait. And the scripture says, if you look upon Jesus Christ and call upon him to save you and forgive you from your sins, that you, too, will end up in that multitude on the other side of the sea, rejoicing in the victory God gave you. You will be singing the national anthem of the kingdom of God. But for those who have not joined that allegiance. For those who have rushed after God. God. Flippantly, who have decided to go with the world and at war and rebellion after God, whether as a collective or whether just in your own sin and wickedness, continuing on and on to heap up for yourself a record of debt against God and that sin that ultimately will crush you because God's wrath will get you. There is no hope. Just in the same way that Pharaoh and his army, there was no hope for them that God crushed them under his judgment. That sea and through it was one thing that saved the people of Israel. And that sea was also the thing that brought the wrath of God. And friends, either today you sit here as one who has called upon God to forgive you of your sins, and you will end up on the other side of the crystal sea, singing the anthem of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Or you will be destroyed by the wrath of God and separated from him from eternity. And whatever candlelight you may have now and may be enjoying in the grace of God, it will be snuffed out. Today, if you don't know Jesus, make this the last day you don't know him. Today, if you don't know God and his kindness and God and his goodness towards you and you recognize I'm a sinner, how am I going to get clean enough to be with the holy God? You can't do it. He said through Jesus, he'll clean you for you. And all you got to do is to say, Lord, I surrender. I'm not going to be in the rebellion. I'm not going to be with the Pharaohs. I'm not going to be with all the rest of the world that. Is in sin, I want to be with Jesus. And so, Lord, save me. Take me through the sea. Take me through the fire. And Lord, let me rejoice on the other side, having been saved by your salvation. Today, if you don't know Christ. I plead with you. Call upon him. and Say, Lord, please forgive me. And you know what happened in that moment? Forgiveness. He will remove your sin and your guilt. He will give you peace instead. He will give you eternal life and he'll cause his spirit to live in you. And you will live life like you have never lived it before. Because Jesus Christ said, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill and destroy. But that Jesus Christ came to give you life and life abundantly. Are you living life abundantly? Or are you caught in a cul-de-sac? Today, if you don't know Jesus, repent of your sins. Lay your life down in submission to him and say, Lord, save me.